Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oakland Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcasts, Free Guy Everywhere. You can get a podcast, man. Give us a five-star review because we really like creating content for you and it just makes us easier to find for other people. So if you're listening to this episode for the first time and you haven't subscribed yet, I want to know why, first of all. But second of all, uh, just hit the subscribe button. And then to all those that have been subscribed, thanks, man. Um, It's an empty room. Uh, I am podcasting by myself. Um, I'm on, uh, I've been given the keys once again and we have a lot to talk about for this week, especially regarding the Iowa State game at 6.30 in Ames. Uh, they just came out and said they're wearing their black uniforms. So it should be a lot of fun, a lot of stuff, and uh, maybe a lot of nauseating too as we'll see what happened. But yeah, oh, Iowa State game, 6.30, ABC, Oklahoma Spike. If was, originally was, like, I think, a 10.5 point favorite, and it's already being bought down to 7 point favorite and then the over under is 62.5 62 and a half so man there's there's a lot to go on in this game so one of the main things that i was hearing especially during this week and seeing it really hasn't been this week guys like what since saturday it's been like four days a lot of people seem to think that uh spencer rattler sucks I, i i really don't get that mentality that is some like child level mentality understanding of football i mean hell the kid was immaculate through yes he did he have three interceptions he did did he have a couple of bad balls thrown in the first half yeah sure but go look at his completion percentage and like the balls he was throwing to basically just marvin mims and a group of other fam uh but you know his he was great he was good and of course, he had that last that last throw when basically he it, he was already out of it, and I'm not that's not an excuse, but the last throw that was a that was a terrible throw. Yeah, that was bad connection with the wide receivers. But Spencer Oliver doesn't suck, man. Like how can you how can you see the passing ability of Jalen Hurts from last year in comparison to the passing ability and just strictly the passing ability? How can you see Jalen Hurts in comparison to a Spencer Rattler, how they throw the ball, how they can whip it, the deep ball down the seams, seeing over the middle? There's no comparison right there. And so if the narrative, which the narrative that we've been pushing over here at Crimson and Cream Machine is this, is that if the marker, 
that we would like to see uh, Spencer Rattler meet is 2015 Baker Mayfield. I would say he's on track, on poor, on poor, on par for the course. I mean, in 2015, we we saw Baker and we thought he was very special. I mean, we he, Oklahoma hadn't had a quarterback like that and an offense like that since Sam Bradford. Okay, and uh, he subsequently also won another Heisman for Oklahoma. But those those parallels are interesting because you know Baker Mayfield. What endeared him to most of fans was not only winning. Because that's fun. You know, you go from Trevor Knight being a quadriplegic on the field, transient quadriplegia. Look it up. That's what happened. Oh, uh, you go from Trevor Knight, and you go from, Co- you know, Cody Thomas, and you go from, you know, uh, a season of Blake Bell and then tight end. And you go from Landry Jones, who never really seemed to spark your interest. And then you get to Baker Mayfield, and oh my God, he's full of moxie. He dances like he's one of the brothers. Uh, he is, I mean, he's everywhere, and he's smiling, and he's funny, you know, man? Like, and he shows his emotion on on his, on his, everything. He doesn't show it on his shoulder, I mean, like on his sleeve. Like he, he just outwardly expresses his emotions, especially on the football field. It made him so endearing to the fans. And But also, of course, he could freaking rip it up the seams. He was accurate. He was throwing, he throws darts. He's actually today rated as the highest uh, QB percentage in the AFC North, and that has Ben Roethlisberger, that has the last year's Heisman winner on Joe Burrow, and then that has uh, Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, he's doing really well this year. And so, later that year, though, Baker Mayfield, we all understood, and this we saw a lot of this, especially early on in the 2016 season, was they love the big play. They really love the big play, and sometimes it gets them in trouble. And what happened with Baker the second half of that 2015 season? He did more dump offs, and after the Oklahoma sort of one and two, I believe they lost to Houston and Ohio State and Norman. You know, instead of looking for the big play that Baker Mayfield had, admittedly, yeah, that's what he was doing. He was big play hunting. He, uh, you know, he he got intercepted and he stayed in the pocket. He got sacked, and so he then again, Riley went through the progressions and uh, how you would read progressions and just, uh, just dump it off to a hot route. And I feel like that's at the same point in which Spencer Rattler is going to get to pretty, pretty soon. Maybe not, it, might, it might not be the Iowa State game, um, but, but I think I think he's on par. I mean, uh, Baker Mayfield he had the arm, but he he also oh, you know he was he he was risky. Same thing with Spencer Rattler. They had so much he has so much confidence in his ability to play at a high level that he's not worried about getting intercepted because he knows he can place a certain ball in a certain place. But, I mean, as you will know, as a freshman, you know, your talent level isn't as high as you will as as you will leave when you're a junior or a senior, according to Oklahoma quarterbacks. So Spencer Rattler does not suck. He's going to be really good. Uh, he shows flashes of it and consistency of it a lot. And I, you know, I don't see how somebody could say he is bad. That doesn't make any sense. And for people, like, calling for Alex Grinch's head after the game, like, honestly... And if you have kids in the car, just, like, tell them to do earplugs. But, I mean, like, people that think Alex Grinch needs to be fired can shut the fuck up. Oh, my gosh. Really? Really? Like, you saw what Mike Stoops did to this defense for however many years because Bob wouldn't fire his little brother? I guess, yeah, his little brother. Uh, And then you get Alex Grinch, and immediately he takes all of Mike's kind of three-and-a-half-star but four-star heart defensive players that are 
roughly the size of a garden gnome, and he gets them into the top 50 in S&P Plus, and he gets them to actually have them win games. Without that defense last year, Oklahoma wins eight games. Eight in the regular season. That's not enough, man. And so people like really on Alex Grinch's case, holy crap, no. What is wrong with you? God, holy crap. Anyways, uh... But speaking of the coaches, Lincoln today mentioned, or I think it was yesterday, he mentioned like lacking a killer instinct and lacking not really stepping on the neck of, of opponents. And I mean, I think that comes from the head coach. That's not something your players just, that, that is something you want your players to have, but the players also emulate your style of uh, gamesmanship. The players can emulate your style of leadership on the on the sideline and if you're on the sideline like he suggested to you know a few years back when it was kyler uh hollywood cd you know basically and the uh, rose bowl when lincoln leaned in and's like hey these dudes can't stop us and yeah sure they may not be able to stop you but when they do you need to get your ass in check and really that, that same thing with Georgia, that same game, lacking the killer mentality, right? It's just, oh, we got them down. Yeah, you got Kansas State down 21 points twice. Yeah, they don't finish, but that's got to be on the head coach too. That's that leadership. That's him. That's on him. I mean, of course, yes, are we like asking for our offensive captains and our defensive captains to get stuff straight in the field? Yes. But the coach needs to also install that and instill that confidence into his players. Uh, Alex Grinch 100% does. But I don't know about Lincoln Riley. I mean, that, that's been a thing since he's been the head coach. I know there's a small sample size, about three years. and But it seems to ring true in many of those three years. And Alex Grinch is coming along, and he's the one that doesn't want to give up points in the second half because he hates giving up garbage points. And so maybe he's the key to that. So who knows? Who knows? Um, issues, man. That you know, there there were issues on both sides of the ball against uh, versus Kansas State that need to be fixed, and there are some that cannot be fixed. I, I would say things that can be fixed: uh, game planning, simple game planning. I don't think Oklahoma expected Kansas State to go five wide that often, and I don't think Oklahoma accounted for what happened for when they were going to five wide. What to do with Deuce Vaughn because Kansas State traditionally. They don't line up that many receivers. I didn't even know Kansas they had that many receivers in general because they they get you know tight ends, the eye formation, and they love to run right at you. That's what Kansas State does. So when Skylar Thompson's going five wide, I think that really messed with Oklahoma's defensive game plan, and they were caught with their pants down. And so those things like zone coverages, things like man to man, especially like passing off man to man to a zone coverage, those things can be coached linebackers reading the line of scrimmage, you know, gaps on the defensive line, those can be coached. And that's not to say the Oklahoma defense didn't have success in the first half. They did. And then they just got lit up after big play after big play after turnover in the second half. Oklahoma wasn't getting inched, forward, inched backward like they traditionally do maybe against a Kansas State team or an Iowa State team. Oklahoma's getting gashed by the big plays. So it's not like Kansas State was nickel and diamond down the field. They had enough time to not only come down from 21 points, but to win by three in Norman. 
So yeah, that's the team is not going to inch past Oklahoma, and it's it's going to be big play threats, and that's that's a part of an aggressive aggressive defense Alex Grinch runs, but it's also a lot of mental error on the sides of the safeties and other players that are that were that were playing last Saturday. So those things can be fixed on defense, gaps, gap integrity, zones, coverages, etc. Especially if you have more film on an opponent. Now for offense. There's, oh man, the, you, Spencer Rattler, yes, he can limit his turnovers. He can take the dump, the easy dump offs. He can take the easy hot routes and when, when there's nothing there. That's something that's obvious that he likes big plays like any quarterback. And if he sees something and he trusts his guy enough to go get it, he's going to throw it. Um, but sometimes just safer for the game to keep possession and get that five-yard gain. And that's something that he didn't, we haven't really seen that much actually. Even though moving the sticks, I mean, because teams are going to play two high safeties and they're going to load the box and they're going to see what you got. So those intermediate throws for Oklahoma are paramount. They're they're very, very important. So Spencer Rattler, you can fix the turnover issues. I don't think he's going to throw three interceptions. He'll probably throw one. He might throw two. I don't think he's going to throw three. Uh, I mean, he's he's a smarter QB than people are getting credit for. And he has a hell of an arm, like some of the one of the best arms you've seen in a long time like ever at Oklahoma and at such a year early young age this is his first time playing organized football since the very beginning of his senior year of high school and then some stuff went down over there at Pinnacle and they didn't play the rest of the year and then he didn't get into a real game until just the other day and so those things are fixable uh running backs I have nothing to say really for them. A lot of their, like when they got holes, like Seth McGowan, when he got holes and when they had plays, they made, uh, they, they made, they, they cashed in their opportunity. It was that simple. Uh, I don't know what's going on with uh, Austin Stogner. I think he got dinged during the game, but uh, I mean, so there's not a lot to say there. Wide receivers though. I mean, wide receivers and the quarterbacks are one and one to me. Uh First of all, the game planning about it needs to stop. Stop throwing screens to Charleston Rambo. He's not a water bug. He's not agile. He has straight line speed, and that's about it. Like that's that was the thing he was known to be at. Uh, oh, what is it? Cedar Cedar something Cedar Hill? Or I think I can't remember. He was a burner. He's a guy's. He's a deep threat. He's a James Washington from OSU. I mean, albeit not as thick. But he is just a guy that's going to run past you. He's not going to run around you. He's not going to run fancy routes. That's not Charleston Rambo. The wide receivers are an issue. And they were an issue coming into the season. And if you're going to win good big games, uh, Marvin Mims cannot be your best wide receiver on the team. He can't. He just can't. Theo Howard knows he's had an, he has an Achilles. Oh, gosh. Theo Wees needs to be bigger. He just needs to come up bigger. Austin Stogner has to not get injured, and he's got to be a bigger part of the offense. They've got to to use Braden Willis a little bit more. I'd like to see Obi Obi Obiolo. Hopefully, he's going to be playing this Saturday. We'll see what happens. Uh, He was on the sideline this past weekend. He didn't have COVID or anything. He was on the sideline this past weekend in a jersey, so I don't know what's going on there. But, yeah, the reliability of the receivers, it's... It's really been, this has been a big question. Like I think this is the first time wide receivers at Oklahoma have truly been questioned as far as, is there anybody good um, other than the year 2009, you know, or not 2009, but 2005 when you like dudes like Quentin Chaney, that's a name from the past. And 
it's just it's just it's unbelievable that we are having these conversations of course like we could say well yeah Jaden Hazelwood has a lower leg injury Easter weekend and Lincoln Riley suggests he'll be back eventually this season I don't know when uh Trajan Bridges is suspended he's another five-star receiver uh he smoked weed before going to a semifinal who cares he was enjoying himself and uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, there's not a lot of returning talent. Like your your best receiver this last Saturday was Marvin Mims, who's a true freshman who didn't even get a real off season. And then the best receiver statistically is Drake Stoops, who's not even on scholarship. So that should tell you a lot as far as the Oklahoma receiving core. And so those are things that you know they cannot really be fixed. You just have to tailor your offense toward them. Something that can be fixed is the offensive line. I really have an issue because when I, I saw the rosters come out, and I, apparently I was one of the first ones to see that it had come out or had been renewed because I started looking at weights and posting them, and everybody else started to do it like subsequently after. I don't know, like may, maybe maybe it just came out and everybody knew, and I just was the first one to log on. Who knows? But uh, I noticed when guys were coming back, their weights were being updated along with their jerseys. And I thought, man, 340 pounds for an offensive lineman. And then looking at another saying, wow, 350 pounds for an offensive lineman. And what, 340, 345 for an offensive lineman? It's not good when your offensive line usually plays at 315, 320, and they come back 20 to 30 pounds heavier. That's what happened. I'm not going to name names, but pretty much everybody except Creed and the freshman. And several others did the same exact thing too, because in it's not their it part. It's not really their fault. They didn't. We don't have the proper conditioning in COVID summer, you know, or COVID elongated spring break because it was from spring break until now, right? So I mean, it's not partially their fault, but also again, partially their fault as far as watching their weight and their diet. So I know all, all the offensive linemen. I can tell you, uh, just by hearing things and just by from not not just by hearing things from people, but just by knowing as far as as a human, they are unhappy with their performances. I think they've even I think Adrian Ely even posted about a couple times on Twitter how disgusted he was with the tape because so much of what they did was correctable and not even from a schematic point of view, but from just a damn hustle point of view. And so OU's offensive line. They can be fixed. Some of those issues, a lot of those issues can be fixed. Now, can you fix continuity? Can you fix fluidity between all five members? No, that's Siri talking. No, you cannot fix those things from those structural standpoints. You need time to build that relationship, even though, like, and it's, it's a, isn't it a shame that Eric Swenson was a four-star recruit at Michigan? And he got basically cut loose at the last second by Harbaugh. Man, if Harbaugh's cutting somebody loose... That might give you pause, but Harbaugh cut Eric Swenson loose and Lincoln Riley picked him up. So everybody's like, oh, sweet. They got a four-star uh, offensive lineman that was a Wolverine commit. Awesome. And then I, then Lincoln Riley, you know, he's asked about Eric Swenson and how, you know, he was that Michigan guy before he went to OU. I can't remember what pressure this was at, but Lincoln Riley looked at the media and was like, yeah, I guess he's not good enough to start in Michigan, but he's good enough to start in the best offense in the country. And it's like, wow, Lincoln Riley, but... It turned out pretty obviously that no, he's not capable of doing that at a high level. I mean, last year he was not good, and this year he was still not good. Uh, you saw it during the Kansas State game, and he his his shoulder and his arm had been dinged last year, and it looked worse this year. I don't know. And then they insert uh, Anton Harrison, 
and he doesn't do the best job, but he does it better than Eric Swenson. That's an issue, right? So you're going to need to build that continuity, and you're thinking you're thinking your lucky stars that you've got four other guys that you're, you're thinking your lucky stars. You're counting your lucky stars that you've got four guys that know what they're doing in their positions, and you might even put Adrian Ely at left tackle to give Anton Harrison a better time at right tackle, but depending upon how they want to run their offense and protect and do run blocking it that kind of is significant so that can be fixed the quarterback can be fixed running backs i think are fine tight ends are fine h-backs are fine that wide receiver stuff it's an issue it's an issue but first of all you need to get the damn run game going um it it was oh no they're just running vanilla against missouri state to okay yeah this is an actual problem (laughs) The getting no push against Missouri State should have been the red flag, not just oh they weren't, oh they weren't interested. Yeah, no, that's not that's not good enough at OU specifically at OU. So, what kind of OU team do I expect to see this Saturday? I mean, I talked to a couple of the guys from Wide uh, Wide Right Natty Light last night, and uh, that rhymed. And I guess they're going to release their podcast tomorrow on Thursday. And you know they and I talking to, and talking to them, we agreed. In that Oklahoma's gonna be pissed. You know, Oklahoma usually does very, very well bouncing back from a loss. They they, they usually do. I mean, I, and good and good for them for actually responding. But I think it's shameful. Not necessarily shameful, but I, I, I do think it's interesting to point out that you respond after a loss, but you get punched in the mouth by Kansas State or Texas often. And you don't respond in that game by punching back. You just take the punches and get beat up and lose, and have to respond the next game. Because that, isn't that the isn't that the narrative every year? Is Oklahoma tough enough on defense and on offense to play Kansas State? Is Oklahoma tough enough on defense and on offense to play Texas, specifically Texas? But Kansas State's always there in the back of your mind. That's always there, man. And it's frustrating that Oklahoma that you can't respond in the game. If you're getting punched in the face, punch back. Don't keep on taking the blows and then just like get out of sorts. And next thing you know, you're losing the game. That's happened several times, too many times. So what kind of game do I, I expect to see Oklahoma crisper, more crisp? I expect Oklahoma to have a lot better execution. I expect Oklahoma to come out a little more aggressive, specifically on defense and a lot more tenacity in the run game. That's what I do expect. I also expect Brock Purdy to have a good day against Oklahoma because he loves Oklahoma. Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, although that offensive line is not the best, they've got a great running back. They've got a slew of massive receivers and tight ends. Charlie Kolar may be at 70, 75-80% for this game. He came back for the game against TCU and looked nothing like what he was supposed to look like. Guys, who's going to guard Charlie Kolar? Buki? Who has like a is literally a f- foot disadvantage? Trey Brown, who's about the same. Who guard? Who goes Charlie Kolar? That's an issue. That's that's a significant issue. So I think Iowa State. I think they're gonna have a good day I, offensively. I, I I think they're gonna be able to have success against this Oklahoma defense. Spread them out and then just attack the front front four, front five for whatever you want to put at that point. Um, but I think Oklahoma's offense can also have a pretty good day as well. When I say you know, Brock Purdy's going to have a good day. I don't mean he's going to just, like, kill Oklahoma, but I think he's going to be a lot better than what we saw Skylar Thompson be. 
I mean, Brock Purdy is one of the better quarterbacks in the Big 12. He's not the best quarterback in the Big 12, but he's one of the better quarterbacks in the Big 12. So I expect to see a pissed-off Oklahoma team that responds well, that plays a damn good game against Iowa State. Do I expect them to dominate Saturday? No. Iowa State's actually a good team. Some people might say, well, they lost Louisiana Lafayette. Okay, well, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, and they were 21 points ahead, and Kansas State had just enough people to actually play. We were wondering the entire week if Oklahoma was going to play Kansas State, and Kansas State showed up. Oklahoma didn't. didn't, I guess they thought the game was canceled. I don't know. Um, So I expect to see a pissed-off Oklahoma team this Saturday. I've said that a million times. Iowa State's defense is going to pose more problems than Kansas State's, though. John Haycock, he invented like this dime. He didn't invent it. He just put it in the system, and it worked really well in the Big 12. It's a 3-3-5 set, and it's a lot of quarters and dime coverages. And they've got a really solid front unit, a very, very solid uh, front six, front seven, depending upon what formation they're in. And, I mean, what just scared the daylights out of Oklahoma folks is this. If the offensive line doesn't get any better from this Kansas State week to the Iowa State week, you thought Spencer Rattler was running for his life against Kansas State. You're really going to think he's running for his life against Iowa State. And Iowa State, although their uh, secondary is a little bit green, they are far more experienced than what we saw against Kansas State this past weekend. Kansas State had former walk-on quarterbacks in the secondary, guys. They needed bodies so bad. They just needed athletes. Iowa State has some good athletes, and they're well-coached. I think Iowa State's going to put safeties high and force Rattler to beat him intermediate and basically forcing them into, into mistakes by rushing the passer a lot and getting into those lanes. I mean, if Oklahoma's offensive line does not improve over the week, Oklahoma's going to have some some pretty big issues because you can't go max protect and send out three guys and a Lincoln Riley offense. It's just not going to work that well for you. Um, So it should be interesting. Some matchup issues, like I just said. Defensive line, Oklahoma offensive line. That's that's an issue. It's straight up, just straight up an issue. And but how I see it playing out, like yeah, two high safeties for Oklahoma uh, for Iowa State. Those intermediate routes. Thankfully, Spencer Rattler should be getting a tight end back, and Austin Stogner that seemed to disappear halfway through the game. I think you'll see the usage of Dimitri, not Dimitri Flowers. Yeah, wow. Okay, uh, Jeremiah Hall, Braden Willis, and I think you might see Mikey Henderson in this game. The fullback, H-back usage, but fullback usage in this game, I think is going to be significant for Oklahoma. And, of course, you're going to have to hit some deep shots to Rambo. You need to stop doing Rambo on these stupid screens. Have Mims be the guy that runs the damn screen, and you pump fake to Mims, and you throw it to Rambo deep. That's what needs to happen. I don't know why Rambo would ever be lined up in the slot. Never put that man in the slot. That's pointless. And so advantages, advantages for OU, though, when Iowa State's on defense, that they've got a guy that can throw over the middle. And I say like I say that every time about the game on Saturday, like, wow, it's nice to see a quarterback throw over the middle. You didn't see the last year Jalen Hurts. You saw him throw it to the sidelines or the other team. And I love it, you know. But imagine Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray throwing over the middle to a tight end, to an H H back, H wide receiver, Z and X. It's fantastic. And Radler can do that. And he has touch. So he, the ability to drop in is so good. Now, I mean, Brock Purdy, like I said, Brock Purdy loves playing OU. The running back, Brissy, is nice. Uh, matchup advantages for OU on defense. 
You've got Delarian Turner-Yale, whose name is, nickname is Trouble. You've got Patrick Fields. Maybe not the best athlete, but definitely huge IQ. Trey Brown, yeesh. Yeesh, bro. He's been a captain, but man, his play is not, indi- is not indicative of a captain. I think you look at the linebackers. You look at Oklahoma's linebackers, the starting ones. Don't put Brian, Brian Mead in, please. But Brian Asamoah and Deshaun White under the tutelage of Brian Odom. I fully give my confidence to. Those guys are going to play well. They're going to do assignment of football. And they're two gargantuan humans that run incredibly fast. And so if you're looking at good spots for this Oklahoma team, you the jury's still out on the defensive line. Really, the jury's still out on them. They need to get guys more consistently involved um, instead of just like four main guys. But I'm still not sure about the defensive line. I haven't seen a team just punish Oklahoma down after down after down. That might be happening this week or the following week against Texas and Dallas. We don't know because no team has consistently just played bully ball with Oklahoma. Kansas State didn't have success with bully ball against Oklahoma. Kansas State had success through the air. So I'm curious as far as the defensive line. But when I think of really good spots for Oklahoma, I think a linebacker, I think it's safety. And so matchup issues, Charlie Kolar, man, I don't I don't I do not know who is going to guard that man or any of the massive tight end wide receivers that Iowa State has. Um Oklahoma typically does a good job in covering up holes for run lanes and uh, gaps and chasing down runners. They're typically good at that. But man, Iowa State, if they're going to beat Oklahoma, it's not going to be inching it up the field. It's going to be those deep passes in which jump balls, if you have a six foot seven guy that's being guarded by guys 5'10", you've got the advantage. So Oklahoma's going to get to have to get pressure on uh, on a Brock Purdy. So that'll be an interesting matchup there. I mean, and so I say, so keys to this game and uh, what, what else happens is Saturday. So keys to the game. Oklahoma cannot turn the ball over effectively six times. Spencer Rattler had three turnovers. Seth McGowan had one turnover. Oklahoma had a turnover on downs, and they had a blocked punt, which is a turnover, but also, uh, well, it's not really technically a turnover, but it's a turnover on downs and effectively is a massive momentum swinger. And so you can't have six turnovers. You just can't. And maybe this is my punishment for saying that Kansas State could is like virtually no way could win against Oklahoma last week. I did say that, and I done goofed. I should I never say that. So yeah, maybe I ruined it all for everybody. But the caveat was I said I, I was like, well, I was I Kansas State could win if Oklahoma just completely turned the ball over so many times. But even then, Oklahoma's too deep. That which that appeared not to be true. Um, but yeah, don't turn the ball over six times. Maybe like once, once I'd be cool with once. You know, like Alex Grinch wants more turnovers, but I don't think he meant that on that side of the ball. I mean, cool, thanks for helping out, but we don't need it right now. So keys to the game, don't turn the damn ball over. Duh. Another key to the game, offensively, that offensive line needs to play with more consistency and uh, less laziness, please. A lot of stuff that you can go back and correct is pure laziness. Go back and look at the film. It's just laziness, and it's just like a complete misread in like brain farts. I don't understand. Another key to the game is that more than one wide receiver have to be a target. If if Spencer Rattler's staring down Marvin Mims because he's the only one really getting open for him, that's a problem. I'm sure that will happen with Stogner. 
Now, defensively, three keys to the game, get pressure on Brock Purdy. Second key to the game, get pressure on Brock Purdy. Third key to the game, get pressure on Brock Purdy. Yeah, get, get, get this man uncomfortable. You didn't seem to do it against Skylar Thompson, who had a, a completely disheveled offensive line, offensive line. Get pressure on Brock Purdy. And also, don't rush three on third and 18. What are you doing, son? Hello? What? Weird. And no, not, not rushing three. Don't blitz on third and 18. What is wrong with you? Sorry, Grinch. My bad. Um, what else? What else? What else? So, this is how I see Saturday playing out. I see Saturday playing out that Oklahoma comes in, plays really well, and then all of a sudden the game is like 10-7 Oklahoma, and it's a back-and-forth game. I could see that all the way into the fourth quarter. And Ames, Saturday night, black uniforms, fans for the first time in that stadium. Uh, superstition. Uh, yeah, man, give me, and I think I said this on the podcast last night with the uh, Wide Right Natty Light boys. I think I said 34 to 28 Iowa State. I just, I'm not feeling this offensive line, and I feel like that defense, I don't know if they turned around in time for the Brock Purdy to, to show out. TCU made Brock Purdy look bad. I don't think Oklahoma's going to make Brock Purdy look bad after they made Scott Thompson look like a god. So that's my score. Now, as far as the confidence meter in that pick, uh, give me a six. So if one is like really poor and five is really, really good, I'm in the middle, man. Uh, I mean, I feel pretty decent about that, but of course, we'd all want Oklahoma to win that matchup, so they're not one and two heading into the Red River shootout, but we have some more things, but before we do that, before we talk about that pretty briefly, let's go to a break for our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, guys, so a couple more things we're going to talk about before we get out of here. I don't understand the optimism as far as playing Iowa State. I'm not saying fans should be defeatist at all. That's not at all what I'm saying. That makes that would make no sense. But I am saying Iowa State has played you incredibly close the last three years. 2017, they won. 2018, with Kyler Murray in Ames. That was a struggle, and Oklahoma had to pull away late. 2019, it was the same situation as 17, and also the same situation as the Kansas State game the other day. Pulled ahead early, couldn't have that killer mentality and juice in you, so they came back and went for two. The offensive guy had it, and Parno Motley ripped it out of his arms for an interception, which kind of was a pass interference, but whatever. We're going to give it to Oklahoma because we like that team. And now you're heading into Ames, Iowa once again. You got freshmen as your best players. Seth McGowan has shown out much better than Pledger and Marcus Major. Marvin Mims has shown to be maybe your best receiver option because he gets open and he's reliable. The offensive line has issues. They're fixable. 
And Oklahoma just has to be better in that facet. And they have Spencer Rattler, also a freshman, second-year freshman, albeit he's a redshirt, um, just needs to make simple calls to make it better. On the flip side, all these guys are incredibly talented. You know Coach Beatenbow is going to get that stuff fixed. I mean, you've seen him turn around almost every single offensive line. If it was poor in the beginning, to be very well coached by the end of the year. I mean, years like 2017 and 18 don't happen every every single year where you have just an, an immaculate offensive line. Remember that 2015 offensive line? Bake was running for his life. And uh, by the end of the year, it's formidable, of course, until they played Clemson, who had all kinds of draft picks on the defensive line, made fresh, true freshman Drew Samia look pretty bad. But I think the offensive line is fixable. So I'm not sure why some fans are incredibly optimistic or why they would have a reason to be, but Oklahoma, they've been recruiting four- and five-star guys. They have the talent. They need to be put in place for success, like they are, and they just need to not panic. But also, like Lincoln Riley mentions, have that killer mentality. Lincoln said he mentioned to himself what he was thinking on the sideline while we were going into halftime. Man, they're up, he looks at the score and says, we're up 21-7, to but man, it feels like we should be blowing them out right now. Yeah, Lincoln, you should have. There were a couple times in the third quarter where I thought, well, damn, like this, we're, we're encroaching upon. Does Oklahoma cover territory if they get one more touchdown uh, without an answer? They're officially in covering territory, and then that moment never came. So I expect to see a good game. In Oklahoma, if they get up early, I think you'll see that offense keep on attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking. I think you'll see Spencer Rattler put that ball in the air about 40-something times this weekend. Not because they're going to need to, maybe, hopefully not, but because I think he needs to get more reps with his wide receivers. And I honestly think that Lincoln Riley, A, now needs to put up style points for losing to a terrible Kansas State team. And Lincoln Riley uh, wants just to be a lot more aggressive. I think if Oklahoma's even up by 21, but let's say 21 in the third quarter, they're still going to be passing the ball all over the yard. If they can get to 50 this time, I think they will. As far as anything else, man, uh, notable games this weekend, there's some good football on, guys. There's some good football on. Uh, Auburn at Georgia, that's always fun, even though Georgia almost had a really awful week against Arkansas. You've got Texas A&M which we all hate the Aggies and I, I really appreciate about I really appreciate that us about our, our fan base here in Oklahoma hating former Aggies in Oklahoma State and then hating the AM Aggies who for some reason they just the AM Aggies are like the odd guy in the room who just doesn't seem to be understanding much but he's just sitting there. That's what the AM Aggies are like. Or the AM Aggies are like dudes in line at Taco Bell, right? When we could actually walk into restaurants. That's uh, fast food places. And uh, dudes at restaurants that would just be standing in the middle of the aisle between them and the cashier to take their order. And they're not committing. It's like they'd never seen a fucking Taco Bell like order machine. Sorry, I forgot to give, give you guys a warning for earplugs for your children. Uh, but it's like he's just like st- he's staring at the, the the menu at Taco Bell like he's never fucking seen one before. And like he's got his elbows crossed and he's got his hand on his chin. He's like, uh-huh, chalupa. 
And then like you're waiting in line. You're like, what's going on? Like you're kind of looking at him. And he's like, oh, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm still, I, 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 I'm reading the menu. And like you're kind of thinking to yourself like, has this man ever been to a fucking Taco Bell before? That's what A&M is. That's, that's that guy, you know. And you guys all have been, you all, you guys know what I'm talking about. That guy wears jeans. That guy wears white New Balance shoes. And he wears a windbreaker on top. And his hair is always brushed to the left. And it's always like feathered almost. And he kind of, he kind of looks like Terry Stotts, the Portland Trailblazers head coach. Uh, Google him. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Love to see Texas A&M always uh, go up in, in flames. That's always fun. I'm curious to see TCU at Texas, man. Uh, Texas should have lost to Texas Tech this past weekend. Couldn't get that done. Thanks, Red Raiders. Like, the only good thing out of you are two things. I guess three, maybe, if you count Buddy Holly before his tragic ending. I actually listened to La Bamba today. That's a great song. But anyways, don't go for two things in Lubbock. Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma Sooners, Cleveland Browns, and Patrick Mahomes. He's so good. He 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 could have won a national title if he went to an actual university and not some like trailer in West Texas of a school named Texas Tech University. But I'm also curious to see Missouri at Tennessee because Tennessee fans talked all that crap before the season. So I'm really curious to see what they look against Missouri, even though like Oklahoma fans can't really talk crap because they just lost to Kansas State. But yeah, man, I think I'm about to get out of here. So with that said, go ahead. And follow us on the website, crimsonandcreammachine.com. You really appreciate that. There's stuff that comes out every single day. Seth writes amazing pieces. Alan writes amazing pieces. Uh, you just got to see one of mine things pops up with Julio Farouk committing to the University of Oklahoma. That's been expected since July. Uh, follow us on Twitter, man, at Machine. You can follow Jack, who's at J. Larry Shields. You can follow Stephen Brown at OU Updated SB. Hey, you can follow Alan Kenny. He's a smart guy. He's from Northwestern University. You know, the private one. The one that wears purple. They're real smart. And at Blade Homerism. And then you can follow me, Kamiam Robbie, at Kamarabi and CCM. Again, guys, thank you for listening consistently and constantly. Uh, I really appreciate you guys for listening. If you are subscribed, cool. If you're subscribed and you haven't given us a review, well, go ahead and do that. Please, just give us a five-star review. It just helps us be better, and it makes us know what you think. And if you're not a subscriber yet, well, press the damn button. Like, what's wrong with you? We're waiting. So, all right, well, I'll check you guys later. Hoping to see a great game this Saturday, and I'm out, man.